0: Welcome. I'm actually going to invite up the kids uh, for the kids sermon. Kids, you can come up to the front and find a seat in this general area. If Maybe if you're one of the bigger kids, you could sit back in the first row. Big kids, I may need your help because some of the kids may need help reading in a minute with one of the activities. Um, so guys, come on forward, come on forward. It's like, it's like Sunday school, but except up here. It's so good to see you all. So what the, the grown-ups have been doing, what we've been learning about, the grown-ups up here in, in uh, up here in the sanctuary on Sunday mornings, we've been learning about uh, what our church, what we call our our vision, our vision our mission statement, is to live, speak, and serve as the presence of Jesus in our neighborhoods. So these words, they're not like this isn't a verse from the Bible or anything, but the leaders of our church and the leaders of all the churches we're a part of, they really see this as like. These words is the way that we live out what the Bible says and try and be, be, God, be God's presence among our neighbors. So I want to do something that we've... Uh, here's the thing, guys. Uh, everyone, Kids, look at me. Grown-ups are really bad at remembering things. And I need your guys' help. They all need your help in helping us remember, live, speak, and serve as the presence of Jesus in our neighborhoods. So I've done this with the kids in the Sunday school many times. Some, some of you may know where this is going. I want you guys to help the grown-ups think of, like, hand motions so they can remember these. Yeah? So here's, so here's, here's how it's going to work. Oh, no, some of the elementary students are like, oh, gosh. Uh, only the older ones, though. The younger ones all are going to like it. So, so we're going to – no grown-up suggestions allowed, okay, for, how to, for hand motions to remember, live, speak, and serve as the presence of Jesus. So – I want I want to hear you guys' suggestions. Raise your hands, I'll call on you. What would be a good hand motion for live? Yeah, Titus. Okay, Titus suggests this. What, why that? Because we do oh you do that at school for like live? Any other suggestions for for live? That's a good idea. Maybe we could incorporate, yeah, Maisie. Live. Okay, okay, okay. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, that's good. That that's similar to yours, Titus. So live. What, what about, okay, what about the next one? Speak. Speak. Yeah, Miriam, what do we, what, how can we do speak? She's thinking. Evan, that's good. That, that, that's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. Isaac, what do you think? Isaac's kind of thinking like, yeah, well, we don't want to be yelling. I don't, it's not yelling is the presence of Jesus. That's, that's a, well, this, I think this is incorporating the, the things you're, you're getting at there, Isaac. I think this is good. So live, speak. How about the last one? I think we've done a, a Bible verse in the past where we've done this one for serve. Yeah, Charlie. We did. Yeah, I was I was seeing if I, I, I was hoping someone would remember that. So we did it kind of like almost like a waiter at a restaurant serving a tray. Serve, okay. Serve. Do it all with me. Okay. So let's let's go back. Let's and let's let's remember these so the grown ups so you can so your parents can remember. Uh, so what? So live. Speak. And serve. Okay, this is going to be. This is where it's going to get hard. As the presence of Jesus, how can we do that? This one's tougher. Okay, I'm going Okay, Evan, I haven't called on you yet. We should use Maisie's for. For live. Pre, we should. Okay, so we should do the one as live as presence. No. Okay. Yeah, Maisie. As pres. So that we could. That's like pointing up to God, right? Okay. Okay. What if we do, what if we do something like we do the pointing up and we bring it kind of down like this? It's like this. Does that make sense for presence? Like God's. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, and then how should we do Jesus? You guys remember the sign we always do for Jesus? Yeah. Titus. Yeah. This is the, and why, why do we do that? It's the nails in his hands. That's right. So, okay. Let's do it all from the beginning now. Okay, live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus. Good, okay, can I get, okay, okay, guys, I'm going to ask for volunteers. I'm only going to have three of you who can only do it once. Can we have three volunteers who can come show our grown-ups how, we just, how they can do it so they can remember? Okay, MJ, Ella, and then a boy. Adrian, you want to come up? Okay, all right, come on up, come on up, come on up, you three. And let's show the, the grown-ups how to do it so they don't forget. Okay. All right, I'm not gonna do it for you, I wanna see if you can remember. All right, live, speak, and serve as the presence of Jesus. Good job, good job, everyone. All right, give them a round of applause. Okay, so guys, we're, of those three, live, speak, and serve, today we're going to talk a bit about speaking, speaking as the very presence of Jesus, what I'm going to teach you guys about, and then I'm going to teach the grown-ups about. Here's what we're going to do. I've got in my pocket here, these are a bunch of invitations, and I'm going to hand these to you guys up, the, like face down, don't look at them yet, okay? This is an invitation. I want you to imagine that you're getting an invitation from one of your friends, maybe a friend at school, or a friend from church, or maybe a cousin, or, or someone close to you, uh, inviting you to do this thing. Imagine it's like a personal invite, letter or a, a phone call or something. They're inviting you to do, go do this, okay? Can you pretend that with me? Okay, let's pass them out. Do any, do any kids not have one? Any kids not have one? Okay. Okay, now I want you to imagine, again, pretending this is an invite from a friend. Turn it over. What's your invite for? Everyone has a different one. Some of you may be, it may be fun things, it may be silly things. It's, imagine it's personalized just for you. So I've got a few left over here. So like one of mine is, you are invited to cook dinner with me. That's a nice invite. It's kind of asking me to help with stuff. I, so here's my question for you guys. I want, I want to hear a few volunteers. What were you invited to, and how, would you, how do you respond to it? How does it feel to be invited to this thing? Uh, Annabelle. Annabelle. And how do you feel about that? She, okay, so Annabelle was invited to come play with puzzles, and she feels good about it. Yeah, um, I've called in both of you. Bef- Let's see. Uh, uh, MJ. Oh, okay. Well, how do, you feel about, how do you feel about that one? She feels, ugh. So, so MJ was invited to come eat rattlesnake with, uh, with someone. And she, feel, she feels, ugh, about that. Would you go? Well, MJ, would you go if your friend invited you to do that? Would you go? She says no. She would turn down that invite. Okay. Well, let's all have you two go. And it will be, okay, Maisie and then Titus. How do you feel about that? You feel happy. Okay. So so you would say yes to that invite? Okay. So Maisie's invited to someone's birthday party. And she's, of course, going to say yes to that. Titus. Okay. So Titus was invited to go help someone shovel snow in front of their house. And that's going to be a lot of work. But you still feel good about it because he's going to get a play in the snow. That's good. That's good. Okay, so, so you guys have all been invited. Like, I want to address out. Like, it, how, if we feel like different things about being invited to things. And, and I'm glad Titus said this because sometimes even ask, being asked to go do things that are hard and work, like, it feels good to be invited to things, doesn't it? It feels good when a friend is like, hey, I want you to come do this with me. Did you guys know that Jesus, Jesus, remember that Jesus, our hands, our hands, Jesus invited his disciples. He invited his friends to go come do things with him. Jesus, do you guys know like the when Jesus told his his disciples to come with him? Do you know what he said? He said, "Follow me, follow me." It was an invitation. Jesus was was a, was someone who invited us, and then they went and did stuff with him. They ate with him, they learned his words, they walked with him, they lived like him. It's like he was giving them tons of invitations to do all these random different things and to do it like he does. He gave them invites. And here's what's crazy, guys, is that Jesus invites you guys, each one of you, looking at each of you kids, he invites each of you guys to follow him too and to learn his words and to know him. He invites you to follow him. So I've got one more thing for you guys. Okay, I want us to hold this, and I want us to spread it out among the kids. Like, I want to see how long we can get this thing. Yeah, Evan, can you help? Spread out, let's not break it. So here, here's the thing. So I want you guys to think of, while we're spreading this out, who, who's the person in your life? Here, Miriam, can you hold one in? Who, who's the person in your life is there a person in your life who first told you about Jesus? Can you guys think of who that was? Who, who, and it's those of you who, who believe in Jesus, who told you first about him? Do you guys remember? Annabelle. God first told you about Jesus. That's a very theologically good answer. <laughs> very good. Do you guys remember the, the other person who told you about Jesus for the first time? Yeah, Charlie. Your parents. I bet that's an answer for a lot of us, right? Maybe your mom or your dad. That's who told me first. Or maybe other people who helped who. who kind of filled in what your parents t- taught you about Jesus. Here's what I, what I want you to imagine with this, this chain, guys. I want you to imagine where Miriam is holding one here. I want you to imagine that the, this chain at the very end, that this is you. And I want you to imagine, think of the person who told you about Jesus. I want you to imagine it's the chain right next to, the, right next to you. So if, if Miriam's here, uh, Miriam's uh, mommy and daddy probably told her about Jesus first. So that's, they're the chain right here. You want to hear something crazy, guys? Is that for every single person in this room, the chain of the people, the person who told the person who told the person who told the person about Jesus, it goes all the way back to where it looks like Levi's holding the first one, the first one. It it goes all the way back to Jesus inviting his disciples for the first time. Isn't that crazy? Jesus invited someone who invited someone who invited someone who invited someone who invited someone over the course of hundreds, thousands of years until eventually it got all the way to you. Isn't that cool? So we what, what, so what's here is exciting is we get to invite people too. So we get to imagine the next chains on this. Jesus invited his his disciples. Jesus invites us, and now we get to go invite people to know Jesus. And, cont- and the, the chain will, will hopefully get longer and longer. And that's what we're going to be learning about today, is speaking as the presence of Gina, Jesus. So I, well, a couple of questions for you guys, right? Only grown-ups can, uh, can invite people to know Jesus, right? Really? Why not? Kids can invite people, too. Yeah, you're right. Well, but, but no, no, wait, 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 wait. wait. But only pastors can invite people to know Jesus, right? You all are so confident. How do you know that? Why not? Yeah, Evan. Because it's not true. That's, well, I'm not going to say that in the microphone. <laughs> yes, so you guys, even though like, there are probably lots of grown-ups in this chain, and the grown-ups are the ones who taught you, you can, you, can, you can teach people about Jesus too. You can invite people to know Jesus too. So you're part of, you're part of this chain. You're not just, you're part of it. You're important. Okay, thanks guys. I wanna have, th- okay, to end, I want three volunteers again to come up and remind the grown-ups who've already probably forgotten about Live, Speak, and Surf. All right, Evan, Titus, and James. Uh, three boys, well. Well, how about one more girl? Uh, Annabelle, you can come up. And Darcy, you wanna come up too? Okay. Okay. And you know what, Maisie, sure, why not, let's go. How about, okay, how about, here's what we're going to do. How about all the kids stand up and face the grown-ups, all the kids stand up, face the grown-ups, and remind all the forgetful grown-ups that our live, speak, and serve hand motions. Okay, all right, I'm going to be watching, you guys. I'm not going to be showing you how to do it. Okay, live, live, speak, and serve as the presence of Jesus. Okay, so we're going to do it again. Some of the adults are doing it with their hand motions. All the adults follow the kids and do it with them this time, okay? Okay. Just watch the kids, they'll teach you how to do it. Okay. Live, speak, and serve as the presence of Jesus. Good job. All right, grownups, give them a uh, round of applause. All right, you guys go back to your seats. Good job. Okay, everyone. Uh, as the kids return to their seats, I want to invite everyone to stand up uh, for the scripture reading today. For the far, uh, far more boring, less eventful sermon. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 8, which is on page 3 of your guys' bulletin. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south of the road that goes down from Jer- Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he, Philip, rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her treasure. He came to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So uh, I can start with a disclaimer. Much of the sermon that I'm about to preach was written by someone else. It was written by Matt Harmon, who's a pastor in the Liberty Communion of Churches. He's a pastor at Liberty Mainline. And uh, this, is, this is by design. Um, during the, the, this, this time, right now, like our, our communion of churches, we're reflecting on our 20-year anniversary as a network of churches. We're not the only Liberty Church. There are others sprinkled throughout the uh, southeastern Pennsylvania and into New Jersey. And... Uh, we're all kind of going through the same series together, each church kind of in its own way. But some of the same sermons are being preached across the different churches. So if you hear something that, is, uh, that, that you like, it's probably from him. And something that you don't like, it's probably from me and the ways I've tweaked it. Um, so th- in this passage, there's, there's something fantastic, something dramatic, something unexpected happens. I don't know if you saw it. Something that, if most of us saw it today, we would be like, that never happens. And it's this. One person who is a Christian talks with Jesus about another person, talks with, talks with another person about Jesus who is not a Christian. And as a result of the conversation, the second person ends up becoming a Christian. Extraordinary, impossible, dramatic thing, right? Right? And I don't know, I, I can't speak for everyone in this room, but I think for most of us, many of us, we neither experience or expect joyful outcomes like this one from conversations between two people of different faiths about the faith itself. Of a Christian talking with someone who's not a Christian about the faith, we don't expect it to go well. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, you may be, you may be nodding your head on the inside and being like, yeah, when Christians start to talk about Jesus, it usually doesn't produce much joy at all. And perhaps you're even hearing a Christian, and you think, you're nodding inside, and you're saying, yeah. You may even, like, think about the way Christians talk about Christ publicly. It may, maybe you're like, yeah, when, when that starts to happen, it's not a joyful thing. In such a time and place as ours, do we really need more talking, more speaking about Jesus, about God, about the faith, about the Bible? Or would it just be better if followers of Jesus observed a vow of silence and just tried to do the right, right thing quietly and hope that God extends his kingdom through mind reading? I think many of us, we, that, would just sounds, that sounds a lot better. Easier, less hard. But here's the answer. Our world, is, our world is filled with bad speech, including some speech about the way that people talk about Jesus. But God calls us to speak good speech, to tell others about Jesus, to speak as the presence of Jesus in a way that's ordinary and a way that's personal. And those are going to be the, the two main points I'm going to be talking about today, about the ordinary, 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 and personal. So before I start talking about the ordinary things in this passage, it's worth noting that like there's some extraordinary things in this passage, right? Like this seems like in some ways a terrible passage to pick for encouraging us to speak as the presence of Jesus, because there are things that happen in this passage that were are like that doesn't happen to me on, on, you know, on Wednesday mornings. Like, uh, it begins with, with the spirit of, like, the, an angel of the Lord appearing to this guy, Philip, uh, who's a follower of Jesus, and is like, hey, go walk 30 miles over there. It ends with Philip being taken away by the Spirit of God and placed somewhere else after the eunuch's baptized. There are some things that are really plainly extraordinary about it. But as I think as we zoom in, we'll see there's actually a lot of really ordinary things that happen in this conversation Um, That things that we can take with us as we seek to speak is the very presence of Jesus. What are they? They're they're ordinary things. But like as Laura opened us, they're open in the call to worship. They're ordinary things, but they're not boring things. What are some of these? The first is that Philip uh, begins by asking the Ethiopian man a question. I think when uh, this, this subject of speaking as the presence of Jesus, telling other people about Jesus who don't know him, a question that I go to a lot that I think really paralyzes many of us is like, what do I say? What am I supposed to say? It's a good question. What's striking about this passage um, is that Philip doesn't actually start with talking. Uh, he, he doesn't tar- start with speaking. He starts with asking a question and with listening. He, he walks up to the – he runs up, actually. He runs up to the man. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? Which is actually kind of a flat-footed question, (laughs) if you think about it. It's like not even, hey, what are you reading? But do you understand what you're reading? That scroll you have in your hand. And then Philip listens. He listens first, so that he knows what's on the eunuch's mind. I think if we're going to be a, a church that speaks as the presence of Jesus, implied in speaking well is listening well. Uh, someone who, who loves others and speaks in the presence of Jesus listens well. It's implied. So he, he, he listens. He asks a question. Another really ordinary thing that Philip does is he proceeds to have a conversation with the man on the basis of what the man already knows. On what God's already doing in his life. He doesn't just barrel in shouting at him. He doesn't barrel in assuming that he has to teach this guy everything uh, he doesn't assume that this guy is like so utterly evil that he can't understand anything. No, he looks at what's going on, what's going on in this man's life. He observes that this, and he responds accordingly. He sees this is a man who's reading the scrolls, who just went to Jerusalem to worship, even though he wouldn't have been allowed in the temple because he, he, wasn't, he wasn't a Jew. And he's reading, the, he's reading the scriptures. He has a curiosity. It's clear that God is already doing things in this guy's life. Speaking as the present Jesus, it, it means responding. It means having an eye to see what the Holy Spirit is already doing in people's lives. That's an ordinary thing. Another ordinary thing, after, so he, he listens, he recognizes what is going on in the other person's life. And after listening, he speaks. Just an ordinary thing. Are there any of you here like me? When this subject is broached about speaking about the things of God with those who don't know Him, or even speaking about the things of God with those others who do know Him, who just get stuck in listening and never move from listening to speaking, or struggle to know how to move from listening to speaking. Um, I thought of a a friend of mine once who was going through a hard time, and uh, he's he is, a, he, he, uh, he is a believer in Christ, but he's someone who's, who's not part of this church. Uh, but he, he was going through a hard thing in his life, and I wanted to be a good friend to him, come alongside him. And I just found myself just listening, listening, listening about what, what, all the hard things going on in his life, seeking to empathize, 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 understand, understand, understand. Never offend, never offend, never offend. And I found myself ultimately, like, like our conversations were just stuck in this cul-de-sac going round and around of talking about how hard his life was. And I had thoughts about, like, hey, the faith has, like, things that there's, like, light and truth and resources here. The church has resources to help. But I just, like, struggled to break through from listening to speaking. So I brought, I brought, uh, I brought Larry Walker in to, like, just have a meeting with me and this guy. And uh, Larry, who's, uh, and this is a great example of, like, Larry sometimes lifted up was like, oh, he's a gifted evangelist. But all Larry did was just really ordinary things, like transitioning from listening to speaking, and it felt w- with my friend where Larry was just like, hey, when you're hearing hard things like this, sometimes we like to pray for people. Can I pray for you? And, the, and my friend was like, yeah, and it just like broke, just like broke, it just broke through the cul-de-sac. It was not fancy, but it was actually w- well-received, and even though, and even though, like I said, the man was a believer, that just, that just, it was a, a moment for me to learn about how you could just be yourself, ask a plain question, Say a plain thing. We proceed to talk about how Jesus helps everyone. Like, therefore, we can be humble enough to receive help from others in the church. It was really a breakthrough moment. There's power in empathy and listening. I mean, it, the conversation that I just recounted to you, it would have never happened if I wasn't empathetic and listening first. But there's also power in speaking, too. And there's a unique power that each of them have that the other doesn't have. You don't have to be an empathetic superhero or a therapist before telling someone about Jesus. You don't have to reach this like impossibly high bar of fully understanding where someone's coming from. We should seek to do that. I think it's a good thing. But you don't have to, you don't have to let it hold you back for forever like it was for me. In this passage, God uses an everyday situation. It's very ordinary. It's on a chariot ride, which would be the equivalent of like talking to someone on a car ride somewhere, and also God uses an everyday guy. So Philip seems like a this, you know, like this extraordinary guy in a lot of ways in this passage. In a lot of, like he is a gifted evangelist. You see that in Luke eight. He was ordained as a deacon a couple chapters earlier, uh, but at, you know th- there are ways that he's kind of a bit behind this conversation as it's going on, right? Like he, I I think the, the first question is is kind of flat footed. Uh, he is, who's the one who proposes the baptism? Now Philip. The, the, the eunuch is the one who's, like, ahead of him and makes the proposal. Uh, an interesting thing about Philip is his, uh, he was ordained as a deacon, but then a persecution of the church began, and a lot of members of the church were scattered everywhere, including Philip. And that, this is recounting what happened after he was scattered. So there are ways in which Philip is, like, he's in a position now where he's almost lost his leadership position in some ways. He's not around the, the church. He's out, on his, he's, he's out on his own. But what's interesting is outside of his leadership position – is where he's most influential in speaking to people about Jesus. Ordinary guy. Too often we think that, uh, this is what I, I asked the kids about, and the kids knew, too often we think that people with ministry jobs are the only ones who can talk to people about Jesus. And it's just simply not, it's simply not true. Uh, when a pastor talks about Jesus, it's expected. Or a missionary talks about Jesus, it's expected. But when ordinary Christians talk about Jesus, it's convincing and powerful, I think in ways... They're more powerful than when I talk to them about it. And when you put this whole picture together, you see that God is orchestrating through a bunch of ordinary things. Ordinary people, ordinary timing, ordinary location, ordinary conversation to do something extraordinary. And a man comes to the faith. And this is what God calls us into as we go and live in our own neighborhoods and love our own neighbors. And just think about like the string of ordinary, th- something extraordinary in this st- happening in the string of extraordinary thing, or something extraordinary happening in a string of ordinary things. Isn't this all of our stories? Isn't this how all of us came to know Christ? Like c- consider the, the chain that I had the kids all holding again. Every link in that chain is some ordinary person doing an ordinary thing, speaking ordinary words to another person about Jesus. Um, here's, here's an example. Uh, Give him a, I'll give him a really common name, Mike. This is a a real story. It's a real person I know, Mike. Uh, Mike grew up uh, with his parents dropping him off at church every Sunday morning. And his parents would go, like, drop him and his sister off, and they would go home, and they would just, like, have a a Sunday morning without the kids. The, The church was, like, daycare for them on a Sunday morning. But even when he was a kid and going to Sunday school, the faith didn't really find root for Mike. He did have an aunt that would pray for him throughout his childhood, but faith just didn't really have a major place in his home. Uh, when Mike was a teenager, he was really a jock. He played, he was a, he played tight end for the football team, uh, and he loved, loved, loved playing basketball. That was his number one sport. And one of his basketball buddies, uh, who happened to go to a church, uh, invited Mike to come play basketball at the, the court inside the local church. And this, if there's anything extraordinary about this story, it's about like, this basketball court that was apparently like, the perfect court for playing Two hoops, three-on-three three three or four-on-four. Four. You basketball lovers out there, you know, it's like, what? How is that even possible? I've seen the court. It's, like, small and perfect for that. And they would play, like, when, my, when uh, Mike was 15 or 16, he would play for hours and hours on the basketball court with his, his buddies, some of whom were part of the church. Because he was spending time at the church, he got to know people at the church. And those people at the church started to talk to him about Jesus. And on New Year's Eve 1976, some of those folks explained the gospel to Mike. And he prayed to receive Christ. And he had no idea what was going on. So later that following year, a youth, uh, a youth pastor who was interested in walking alongside the guys playing basketball, he explained to, to Mike what had happened by taking him through a, a short Bible study. And Mike was later baptized at that same church. It's a true story. It's a picture filled with seemingly ordinary people doing seemingly ordinary things and saying seemingly ordinary words. An aunt who prayed, an invite from a Christian teenage friend to play basketball. A local church with a basketball court open to the community. An approachable youth pastor who suggested a Bible study. It's a string of ordinary things. But as you look at a whole lifetime transform, it's actually quite extraordinary. Uh, Mike is my dad. Mike is my dad. He's on the one of the chain right before me. Um, Consider the chain before you. Who were the seemingly ordinary people who did seemingly ordinary things and said seemingly ordinary words that led you to the faith? Consider something even more exciting. Who could God be orchestrating to be on the chain after us? Isn't there, is, is there nothing? Like isn't there something exciting about that question? I think usually when we talk about this subject, it's just, there's so much trepidation, like there's so much guilt, like uh, we're we're failing at this, we're not good at this, we're scared to do this. I think there's something exciting in it, right? This is coming from someone who's not, not, I'm I'm not a hero at this. I'm not the best at this. But doesn't the vision to speak as the very presence of Jesus sound like an adventure? Like who's God going to bring into our paths? It's a path to trust God and see how he uses strings of ordinary things that we do in faithfulness and watch to see what extraordinary things he, he makes out of all of it. How could he take our ordinary offerings, our ordinary words, and turn them into something extraordinary? It's ordinary. Uh, speaking as the presence of Christ is also personal, and we see that in this passage, and I'll spend a few minutes here to end. Uh, consider the eunuch. The invitation from Christ is very personal for the eunuch. Uh, he, because he was a eunuch, he was, and he was high up in the court, he could read. We know he, he was probably in a position of influence and was powerful. He was highly educated. But because he was a eunuch, there are certain ways that he was also really on the outside. He he couldn't have children, which in the ancient world was the same as like not having a name. Uh, he, he he the eunuchs were they were valuable servants, but they were expendable ones. They were powerful, but they were widely disrespected and mocked. The trip that he's coming back from. From Jerusalem, because he wasn't a Jew, he wouldn't have even been allowed in the temple. He could have come into the courtyard, but he couldn't have stepped into the temple, and he could have actually never become a Jew fully by conversion. He could just become a God-fearer who was kind of always around the outside. Nevertheless, he's studying the Bible. This is a guy who, who's, who's on the outside looking in in more ways than one, and it's no accident that he's reading from Isaiah chapters 52 and 53, which is a passage about a suffering servant who will be rejected and who will be crushed so that, peop- so that the people can be reconciled to God and healed. This is the reject reading about a rejected savior. It's the outsider reading about a, a savior who's going to go outside so that others can be brought in. And he asks, What prevents me from being baptized? So much in other, so many other places in his life, he's he's hitting walls of what's preventing him from. Going into certain places. What prevents him from becoming a Jew? A dozen things. What prevents him from being respected in his court? So many things. But what prevents him from being baptized? Nothing. Nothing. Because of what Jesus has done, because of the suffering servant that he's reading about, which is fulfilled in Christ, because Jesus was disrespected, because Jesus was rejected. He did Jesus went through this so that those can have faith, those who have faith in him can be brought in, they can be Adopted as, as sons and daughters. They can have new life. They can be redeemed from the lies of the world. It's personal for this, this eunuch. The invite is very much tailored to him from God. Using the humble words of, of Philip. The humble questions. Consider yourself. Um, especially those of you who are unsure of what you think about Jesus. Find yourself here this morning. Who aren't baptized. Christ's invitation Is personal to you too. And I can't read all all the minds in this room of, of how his invite is personal to you. But I would just echo how Laura opened us. He's interested in you. The God of the universe is interested in you. God knows you as well as he knew this eunuch. He knows how the world's beating you up. He knows how you're beating yourself up. He knows how you're beating up others in your sin. What prevents you from being baptized, from having faith in Jesus and being united with him in his death and resurrection and being adopted as God's own son and daughter? Ultimately, the only barriers we put between that and us are our, is our own disbelief. Nothing, ultimately. The only ticket we need to enter is knowing that we're weak, sinful, that we need Christ, and that our hope is found in him alone. Christ offers peace to you. Christ offers peace to you. Wherever you are, whatever your background, whatever you've done, whatever your age, he offers you a peace that the world cannot give. So I speak the words of Christ to you. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the good news. Follow him. Leave behind your old ways and take Jesus' yoke upon you, his, 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 his weight. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Follow him and be cleansed of all of your sins. Follow him and be adopted as God's very son or daughter. Follow him and find rest for your soul.